Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Monday, May 9th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. I made an observation a few days ago, and it led me to the subject of tonight's podcast, which is, how is it possible that both sides of the political spectrum are unhappy? Because both sides are unhappy. And if you talk to the left, it's all about complaints about either what isn't happening or complaints about what is happening, but they're complaints nonetheless. They're a dissatisfied group. But if you talk to the right, we run into the same problem. They are dissatisfied with things that aren't happening and dissatisfied with things that are happening. So how can it be that both sides are unhappy and both sides think that the other side has the edge? I think I know the answer. And I'm going to take a little time to get there, but I will get there. Let me just first take a look at what their gripes are, in essence. If you talk to the political right, they are opposed to excessive government intervention, particularly when it comes to education, critical race theory. They're opposed to that being taught in the schools. They're opposed to being called domestic terrorists simply because they believe in something the left doesn't. They are opposed to abortion on demand. They're opposed to gender identification. In fact, the right is opposed to government overreach generally, no matter where that occurs, because the right is all about smaller government. You go far enough right, you get to libertarians, they would prefer no government intervention at all. But that isn't the position of the right. The conservative right, and when I say the right, I mean the conservative right. I don't mean the alt-right crazies, just like I don't mean the, you know, the, the far left Marxist left. I'm talking about the healthy side of both sides of the political spectrum. So as I said, the right is opposed to government overreach. So let me give you an example. Prior to 1980, there was no Department of Education. And that was because in 1979, Jimmy Carter signed an act into law that in essence divided up or split what was the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare, and it made two different departments. It made the Department of Education, and it made the Department of Health and Human Services. In 2012 and 2013, which was the the last year that I got really good statistics on this, The Department of Education spent $1.15 trillion nationwide on education. And one could argue that that may not be the best spent money because we certainly don't see a positive return in terms of education of our youth based on that kind of an investment. And a specific example of where the right kind of goes off the deep end in terms of their outrage, if you would, is 
CASEL, C-A-S-E-L, which is the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning, announced in 2021 that they were going to have an ideological shift in the way they approached it. And because what CASEL does is it partners with school districts across the country to support efforts to implement social and emotional learning. It's called SEL. Between November 19 and April 21, SEL really took off in our schools. The sales of materials related to teaching SEL grew about 45% between November of 19 and April of 21 in less than a year. It went from 530 million in sales of materials to 765 million. Of that amount, 765 million, 1.8 million of that money, which is taxpayer money that was supposed to go for COVID relief, went to an SEL material providing company called Panorama Education. Panorama Education provides schools with this SEL material. Panorama Education is owned, co-owned by U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland's son-in-law. So the chief law enforcement officer of the country, his son-in-law owns a company that grew by 45% between 2019 and 2021 off of selling materials to school, which is teaching SEL. Now, let me tell you what the goal of SEL is in a quote directly from them. It is to better articulate the potential of SEL to mitigate the educational, social, and economic inequities that derive from the interrelated legacies of radicalized cultural oppression in the United States, end quote. So I'm giving you all of this because I want you to understand that this is one of the examples of where the right feels not only is there obviously too much government involvement in education and maybe for no good end, because I don't know that we're, I mean, we're somewhere ranked very low on the global scale in terms of the quality of our education and the competency of the students that we turn out as a result of that quality or lack thereof. But here's an example where government overreach is clearly involved because the attorney general's son-in-law is making money off of getting taxpayer dollars funneled to his company that should have gone to COVID relief. And the very admitted goal of that company, of those materials, is to, in my opinion, brainwash children into this radicalized idea that we're a systemically racist country. So this is CRT, right? critical race theory, which again, the right is very opposed to, one of the things I named right off the bat about what bothers the right. SEL has become the therapeutic wing of critical race theory in schools, meaning it's addressing all of the social and emotional and psychological issues that are going along with critical race theory, which is this premise that the United States is inherently racist. Okay, that's from the right. From the left, The left is very upset about Roe v. Wade potentially being overturned, and it looks like that's what's going to happen. And as you can see in the news, most recently as yesterday, over the weekend, there was some protesting, there was some vandalism, there was some harassing of justices at their homes, Supreme Court justices, because for the left, a woman's right to choose 
transcends and, and precedes every other potential right that an infant or a baby, or in the case of the left, a group of cells could have. The left is upset about the fact that we don't teach our racist, flawed history. The left is upset because minorities in this country have been unduly oppressed, according to the left. The left would prefer more government control, more government intervention, more government programs, more government involvement in our everyday lives. And it would prefer that government pay for more things so that the individual doesn't have to. This is obviously the direct opposite of what the right believes the structure of government should be and how it should function. The left is pro-gender choice, right? You should be able to decide what gender you want to be and then be treated accordingly. The left is, for the most part, anti-religion. It tends to be more philosophically oriented or moral oriented or, if you would, ethical oriented, but not religious. The left generally is not religious. And in fact, in many ways, grievance could be one of the organizing principles of the left because the left always seems to be unhappy. But I started off by saying they're both unhappy. Left and right are equally unhappy. This year, when President Biden spoke at the United Nations, he used a particular term. And the term he used was that we are at an inflection point. Now, if you don't know what inflection point means or is, an inflection point, as defined on Merriam-Webster, is a moment of dramatic change especially in the development of a company, an industry, or a market. President Biden was talking about that inflection point globally. He was talking about it certainly in the context of industry and markets and global commerce. But he was also talking about it in terms of how the world is run, how the world is organized, and I think he was particularly talking about an inflection point, meaning going from this sense of we are all individual nations, moving more toward this concept of a one world government. So when you're at an inflection point, you're clearly at a moment of change because the very definition is a moment of dramatic change. And I don't think there are any of us living today who would dispute that we are living in a moment of dramatic change on almost every front we look at. So what happens during change? Well, we normally live in a state of chaos. It's an illusion to think that we don't live in a state of chaos. If you look at human history, the periods of calm and relative stability have been very few. The history of humanity is one of almost inevitable upheaval and constant changes, and some of them more profound than others. So I think that chaos isn't an abnormal condition. But admittedly, there are times when the chaos meter, if you will, jumps off the chart. And I think we're living in one of those times. In times of chaos, and particularly in the time that we're living in now, with the left and the right both so unhappy, the question that comes to mind is, who will prevail? Who prevails through all of this rapid change? And I think the answer to this question is really important because so many of us wonder how we're going to get through this. 
If you listen to the news, there's all of this talk of supply chain interruption being even more profound going forward, that perhaps there will be food shortages, both in the United States and globally, perhaps even to the point of starvation in some parts of the world. Maybe not the United States, although we have a history in this country. We had the Dust Bowl when there was no food coming out of the South and the lands were burnt and dry. It can happen again. It's a climate issue. But for the most part, I think here in the United States, we'll just be experiencing a change of lifestyle. That if there is in fact some kind of global crisis in obtaining food, we'll go from the kind of luxury we're used to, which is anything we want is at the corner supermarket, to perhaps finding things that we routinely went to buy are out of stock for an extended period of time. And that causes a lot of people concern, as does the unknown generally. Chaos usually means you're walking into an unknown. And our human nature is to want to know what that is, to want to be able to prepare for what that is. So it brings me back to the question, who will prevail? If the right is upset and the left is upset and they're battling about different things and their positions are almost antithetical to one another, who will prevail? And as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I think I know the answer. Who will prevail is whoever, instead of being frightened, becomes inspired. In the face of what seems like the impossible, become inspired. You know, it is our nature. It is our instinctual survival nature when confronted with the unknown to be fearful because that basic fear is around fear of extinction. But fear of extinction is rarely the issue. It's just usually fear of change and sometimes rapid and profound change such as technology has created. We're not worried about extinction at the moment. We're concerned about how to adjust to a world that is in such flux and such rapid transition. And in order to do that, we have to overcome our nature because that nature is to become fearful. This week, I listened to several interviews that were edited and put on YouTube. They were interviews with Elon Musk over a period of time. And basically the theme of all of these interviews was more about his personal life than about his business life. He was very clear that he constantly has ideas happening in his head. He almost, not almost, he said he never has relief from that. And as a child, he feared being institutionalized when he realized that that didn't happen to everybody, that he basically gets no peace of mind, no rest, from ideas constantly coming into his head, like an endless download. But he also said that he gets up every day realizing that everything and anything is possible and that he tries to keep a positive outlook and does keep a positive outlook on life. And he tries to make the day the best it can be for himself. And his overall goal is to make the day as best as it can be for as many people as he can possibly do that for. He has a mindset that isn't intimidated by the unknown, that isn't thrown off its guard by chaos, that isn't fearful. 
Our nature, as I said, is to become frightened in the face of what we perceive to be danger. But change isn't dangerous. It's just a fact of life. And so we have to overcome our fear. Be inspired by your soul rather than being terrified by the remnants of our reptilian brains. Become inspired. Become inspired to newness, to the seemingly impossible, to the illusion of limitation. Use that part of yourself that is the closest to the image and likeness of God. Use your ability to create a new. They are the ones who will survive. They are the ones who will prevail. Those of us who are willing to put fear aside, to master it in a sense, and to master it through the use of inspiration. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again on Wednesday. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.